Go now to Danny Oosthuizen in Cape Town. Danny, um, good evening, and thanks for for agreeing to chat with us on Cape Talk. Uh, good evening so much, Lindsay. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, and hello to the viewers. Listeners, sorry. <laughs> I don't have the face for radio, so I'm a bit confused. <laughs> Danny, um, yeah. this, the first thing happened when uh, Ayama spoke with me, um, you know, I got very excited because, you know, um, often we we walk past, we drive past homeless people. And my first question to him was, how do we get hold of you if you're homeless? But here you are, you're on a line. How does that work? Um, I was very fortunate with my, I think it's due to my big mouth, um, I managed to, to um, get a job at the Cape August where I am still running the Dignity Project. I'm the ambassador for the Dignity Project that is basically there for the plight of homeless people. It started in February and it was supposed to be only for 15 days. Um, we are all now already in February. Um, you, so you can almost say that we are now getting close to a year. Yes. So 15 days turned into one year. And I'm very blessed and very fortunate that I was able to tell my story to the world and to make people aware of that there are people there less fortunate yeah. um, for reasons out of their own or just the way life is, you know. Mm. And and the old saying, there but for the grace of God go I. Yeah. Um, and um, tell us about the Dignity Project because it is through the August that, yeah. that we got to know of you and your story was I'm just like you but I'm homeless. Yeah. Hassan's Abadir and Lance Whitten came up with a concept where they actually wanted to start a dignity project whereby the homeless people will be able to state their situation and they were going to use their words and not change it. Sometimes you have people that will listen and then they come to the office and write their own stories. Uh, with the dignity project, every single person had the opportunity to say what they felt um, in any way that they were comfortable with and that was exactly how they also posted it in the paper. Okay. And they became a voice um, yes. for homeless people. You yeah. know, people think yeah. homeless people, um, Cape Town is quite, the situation is like, we, we were not imported from another town or another city. We are, we are Cape Townians. I mean, I was born in Cape Town. Um, unfortunately, I ended up on the streets. And the thing is, it, it's very challenging because basic things, um, I say this every day, shower facilities, clean drinking water and toilet facilities after hours. When the station, the Cape Town station closes at night, there are no toilets, which means we have to urinate outside, which means that already is in breach of one of the, the bylaws. You can be fined for that. Um, women have, you know, the certain time of the month where they need sanitary pads. Um, that is non-existing for people on the streets. It's very challenging to get those things. And, you know, if you have a rand, a rand is like... You have a choice. You can buy yourself a drinker pop. That's one of those um, mixed things that you get in a packet where you can make a two-liter cool drink. Um, so, you know, even a rand over 50 cents to us is like, it's a phenomenal amount of money. Um, and sometimes we try and save for things, but, you know, at the minute when you have a little bit of money saved up, there's so many things that you need that it's overwhelming. Mm. And I think that's really what it's, it's about, is understanding... Um, the person behind yeah. a, 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 a figure that often um, we we I guess just because I think it's also about uh, both sides understanding is that uh, there's a sense of getting bogged down with the, the homelessness yeah. and and not knowing what to do. So um, certainly what I'm wanting to get is also some of the realities of what it's like being on the street. But before we get there, tell us your story. 
Um, I was born in Cape Town in 1969. Um, my mother died when I was nine, my dad when I was 12. And from there onwards, I was just like a lost case. Um, I went to so many schools. I mean, when I was in, in, in Standard 8, I went to nine different schools. So it was always been challenging, but I never really saw it as a challenge because to me it was just the way it was. It was when I got older that I realized that my life was a bit more complicated than the normal guy next door. Um, I became, I was diagnosed um, HIV positive. In the beginning I was like in complete denial. Um, and then later I started to really look after myself. And then at some stage I just, it just became too much. Um, I became the virus, I became the whole situation, and I got fed up. Um, I also got involved with drugs, um, I became antisocial, and the job that I had, I lost, and I ended up on the street. So um, and the thing is, what the problem is, when you, when you fall apart, once you've reached the street, it is very difficult to get off. It's like being in a pool where the water circulates around and around, and all you try and do is, is to grab onto something that's familiar so you can hold on tight and get mm. out of it. Mm. I must also say to you that the Capetonian public is great, but one has to understand that each and every person has a challenge in his life. We all have our cross to bear. The public is good in helping us, and sometimes it's not like they're funny towards us or they dismiss us. It's just a lot of people don't know how to help, and there are also a lot of people out there that can't help. Mm. And my idea with the Dignity Project was, if you can't give me money, that's fine, but acknowledge me as a, as a fellow human being. Mm. Ask me my name. Mm. You know, we live in areas where we see the same people every single day and we don't know each other's name. Mm. But in terms of, um, as you say, everyone's got their own story. Yeah. Um, but uh, you you had a life before it, yeah. it crumbled. Yeah. Um, I had a life. I had an education. I mean, yes. I lived four years overseas. Yeah. Um, I can speak German. I can speak French. It's not, and there's a lot of people out there that's got immense talent. Mm. They just need that break. You know, that little mm. breather just to get off the street. Mm. And, and you can see, I don't know if you've noticed, there are more and more homeless people in Cape Town. Mm. People get retrenched, people lose their, their contracts, don't get renewed. There are so many things that happen to people. It is not always bad things that causes people, it's just life. Mm. As, a, as a white person being on the street, do you think that you're treated differently? Um, you know what's the amazing thing about homeless people? We are very tolerant and we are very accepting. Mm. Um, you do have people in the public that will look at you funny like why are you here mm. yeah it's because of this and this they, people judge you it's no it's mm. human nature mm. if you don't understand something it scares you and you're going to leave you're going to say something that's going to make you feel better about the situation mm. we all try and understand this, this mm. thing. but homeless people we have this tolerance i mean we can live with a prostitute with a sex worker we mm. can we can sit next to a pope we can next, sit next to a drug dealer mm. because we tend to not look at what they do but mm. we look for the human behind it mm. I, 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 you know, I have to be honest, you know, um, because uh, as, as white people, we had so much privilege. If there were two people homeless, my yeah. tendency would be to say, well, you've you've had your time with privilege. I'd rather assist people who perhaps haven't had the access yeah. to education that you've had. Um, but I'm wondering if with some people it, it might work just the opposite way around. Um, you know, I've never really, I nearly must be honest with you, I never had that type of differentiation from okay. people. Okay. That's never happened to me. Um, to me, we all we all like-minded individuals, mm. you know, trying to get our lives back. Mm. Um, and that's at the end of the day, that's the goal. And don't you think that's uh, the irony is that living without a home, you actually you learn about your own humanity, and everyone actually becomes equal. Do you know what I could never understand, and a lot of people could never understand why I'm on the street.
On the Friday, I was Danny the homeless guy. Mm-hmm. On Monday, when my picture and my story was on the front page, I became Danny from the Cape August. Mm. And I was still the same Danny. Yes, yes. I still didn't have a home. I still had mm. my blanket stolen. I still had a broken pair of shoes, no razor blades. But I was all of a sudden this person that meant something to somebody. Mm. Um, and it's actually quite weird because mm. people looked at me like I was this, this, this guy mm. that is now all of a sudden famous, mm. um, which I wasn't. You know, but in my, in my yeah. mind, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't yeah. anything special. I was still yeah. the Danny that, that, that is trying to find his yeah. way home. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned being overseas. I, I, I remember because I, I used to live in an observatory and there was a, a woman there and um, she, we knew that she was a heroin addict um, and yeah. I had a French friend and she used to say, please won't you tell the other homeless people um, won't you speak in French to me because they think I'm joking when I say I can speak French. Yeah. She was a model. She lived in Monaco. Yeah. And she um, she uh, developed a heroin addiction, and here's this this woman who who lived this this life on yachts, yeah. and 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 the, the addiction brought her right down to the ground, and she just loved to speak French for a moment, and and show the her fellow people that she wasn't having them on with her stories of of what she had. You talk about speaking French in Cape Town. The car guards mostly are from Ghana. Yes, and the DRC. And their mother tongue is French. Yeah. It is always funny when I speak to them, people think I'm there to score drugs. Yeah. That's the first thing they think is, oh, look at the white teeth trying to buy drugs again. Um, I always thought that's quite funny. But we do, you know, you learn so much about yourself as a human mm. being. Um, you, you realize in life there are so many things that we, 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 we run after and we, we break our backs for wealth and for, for status and mm-hmm. being on the street you, you, you learn the humanity. You learn how strong you can be. You learn how you can how you can actually help people and make a difference and, and grow as a human being. That part I must tell you is like I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a very sensitive person. I mean at the Cape Argus I would I would read something in the paper and I'll cry. So <laughs> You 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 don't always get you know that comfort in the streets. Street life is very hard. Mm. Um, it's tough. You sometimes get into the situation where you override your belief systems or you mm. know your values um, in the name of let's survive another night. Yeah. Um, and we compromise. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people make comments about people who are homeless, who drink or use drugs. Uh, but the reality is living on the streets, uh, you, you need to find a way of getting through that. You know, you become numb. Mm-hmm. You, you desensitize yourself. I mean, you know, we have people calling us vagrants. Um, we have people calling us all kinds of things. Uh, vermin, somebody calls us. One of the ward councillors called us vermin the one day. Um, we had a ward councillor not so long ago that wanted to have a march so they can drive out all the homeless people in the area. And to me that was just, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's like you ask yourself, how can people have this negative, what have we done to people that they are so resentful towards us? Hello? I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about... So, so, um, about... Um, Trying you know, to understand we have, we, from... We have 14-year-old yeah. children in Cape Town. Yeah. And this kills me. Sorry. They are heroin addicts. 
14 years old, one has to really sit down and say to yourself, where did we go wrong as a nation? Mm. I suppose the, the, the hard reality is um, that when you have to live on the streets, as you say, you've got nowhere to go to the toilet. So um, the truth is that often what people see are the remains of that kind of thing, which, um, which becomes tricky for people, especially if it's around the home. Um, if we want to wash our clothing. Yes. Okay. First of all, it's challenging to find a place. Yes. Then you need a place where you can hang, especially in winter. Yeah. Now imagine you drive through your neighborhood and here's my, my blanket and my sheet if I have one and my clothes. We are degrading the neighborhood, right? We're giving the neighborhood a bad name. The value is going to drop or we, you, you know how people are. So already that in itself is a problem. We don't want to be a burden to people. We're not asking the city of Cape Town to give us a house. It's impossible. We know that. But give us the basic things. Like, can you have a toilet at Green Market Square that's open 24 hours a day? Because not only the homeless people need these toilets, what about our foreign travelers, our backpackers? Where do they go to the toilet? Yeah. Um, the, the, the company gardens used to have these little water fountains. None of them are working. They used to work, but none of them are working currently. Yeah. Um, the other and for thing... us to go and ask somebody at the... You know, we, we do smell funny at stages because we can't get our clothing washed. Mm. We can't always have a bath. So we don't look the part. We don't fit in. Mm. When we sit too long in the park, we loiter. Mm. Well, my concern, you know, I've got no problem with homeless people, but I do have a problem if people have been drinking and then there's glass there. It's not yeah. safe, I mean, for the people that are there. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. And I understand you've got a problem with your stuff, but my concern is when stuff gets hidden and then there's flooding because... Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know how the we. Drains, uh, yeah, no. you know, I don't know because there's there's a reality of of understanding and people wanting to be understanding, and then there is another reality that when when people um, are drunk and abusive, it's not a great time to be you know wanting to ask to hide your stuff. You what know, would you think? People, there's a lot of people on the street that needs medical intervention, that okay. has some sort of a psychological defect. Uh, um, we have people that yes. are schizophrenic that need tablets. We've got people that bipolar, depression. Um, these people, need, they need medication. And we have people that are HIV positive that are not taking their ARVs because when you lose your medication, you have to go back to, to, to the clinic. The clinic will ask you to go to the police. You have to do this long thing just to get your tablets back. Um, and then also sometimes homeless people are scared that they're going to be victimized because of the fact that they're HIV positive um, or they've got TB. That also is a challenge, you know. We have, like in any society, among homeless people, they are drug addicts. Um, we also have, like, heroin addicts. We have crystal meth addicts, people that use all kinds of different drugs. Um, and what they started now with uh, Mr. Sean Shelley from... Um, TBHIV, the step up program is where people that can't go to, to rehab or what are not ready to take that step. They have a, um, an initiative that they call harm reduction where mm. they will give people clean needles and syringes so when they inject that they can't pick up diseases like HIV or hepatitis, that they don't have these big horrible sores on their arms so they don't need to go to a clinic and sit there the whole day with other people where, while they're not feeling well. Mm. 
Um, so that is all, you know, when you're in a situation, what can we do to look after the human being? Well, th- you know, that's my concern because um, if, if you leave all your stuff, your, your house, in fact, on the streets, um, my tendency is that needs to be cleared away. That's yeah. for public use. Now, then, then I'm aware, but where, what do you do with that? And, and so it gets hidden and then, and then there's flooding. How could we get around that? I mean, should there be some sort of public locker system? I, I don't know, because that must be your biggest problem, the vulnerability of not being able to have stuff. We, we, we travel like um, some people will have two or three pants on. They will have like their underwear on, attractive pants, and then your jeans. You'll have, a, you'll have a vest on, a t-shirt, and then a shirt, and then a jersey, and a jacket. So you are like overdressed. Um, we try and make other arrangements for, for where we can hide our things. Um, but yeah, the drain thing, I am aware of that, and we are working on that currently as well. Because it can be a problem, especially some not as much, but in winter. Mm. Mm. Locker facility, what we would like to have is a safe space. A space where you, during the daytime, you can come and do your laundry, you mm. can hang it up, you can have a shower. Mm. Maybe there's somebody that can help people that can't read or write, maybe a retired teacher that can come over once a week and, and teach people how to write. Uh, people that can maybe give us um, life skill classes. Maybe there's somebody out there that's got a business that can teach the guys how to work with wood or metal. The ladies can do beading or, or sewing. You know, to, to uplift people, instead of mm-hmm. hanging around in parks because there's no other choice, not being in your way, not being a nuisance, not being chased around by, by the forces, um, a space that we can say it's our space and be out of everybody's way. I know that in some places they have a sort of caravan and it's got a shower in, and, yeah. but that's not in this country. Look, we have NGOs that really try very hard to accommodate everybody, um, I must say. We also have people that very lovingly um, prepare meals for us in the week. Uh, we have Johnny that is opposite um, the old Krishna Barnard Hospital. He's got a, like a beer garden. Monday he feeds them. The gentleman Danny from Doppia Zero in St. George's Mall on Tuesdays he feeds people. There's a lady, uh, Venetia, that's coming all the way from Mitchell's Plain on a Thursday evening feeding people in the company's garden. So there are really people. There are people in, 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 in Salt River. Um, so there, there are a lot of people that actually actively look after, after the homeless people and we're very grateful for that. And it's very sad for us that we ended up in the situation where we are now a nuisance to other people. That was never anybody's intention. Tonight I'm chatting with Danny Westerhesen, who's with the Argus Dignity Pro- uh, Project and he's telling us a little bit about life on the street. If you're wanting to ask questions of him, you can dial 21 Danny, um, when it comes to um, the issue of what people can do to assist, um, if... if <coughs> if someone would be to offer something, what would be the most beneficial thing people can give? People are, are normally quite reticent to give money because there's a concern that that money might not go towards anything with dignity. <laughs> yeah. You know, we love birthdays and we love Christmas. And that is as far as we appreciate handouts. We don't appreciate handouts. We hate asking people for things because of the fact that we know we put people on the spot we, sometimes people get uncomfortable, um, sometimes people don't have to give, you know, so we don't, it's, it's people think that we, you know, we're out there trying to get as much as we can. Yes, I'm aware of the fact that there are people out there that, that are very, uh, when, they, when they, we call it scuttle or begging, they can be very forceful. 
um, we call it aggressive begging. There are these individuals, but mm. all in all, if we can get the most important thing, I think that we need is work. Okay. And income. Yeah. Where you can start sustaining yourself. Yes. Building yourself up. Being able to get yourself off the street, with other words, you'll be able to get accommodation. But if somebody is living on the streets now and he gets a job tomorrow in the office, imagine where is he going to shower, where is he going to keep his stuff, and what is he going to do? Because there is not always space in the shelter. Mm. Tell us about the shelter, because that's often what people say is you need to go to the shelter. Now, there are clear rules about going to the shelter. Um, there are clear rules, and there's nothing wrong with having rules, with having structure, um, with, with having uh, a routine. It's healthy. Every human being needs that. I mean, even us homeless people have a sort of a routine. We have a sort of structure. Um, maybe not as professional as we used to be in the past, but we have that. Um, shelters is not always the solution. The shelters, some of the shelters still have the, the idea that they have 20 years ago. The homeless people of 2017 is a lot more progressive. Um, their needs has changed. And sending people home is not always the option. So it's really about empowering people yes. towards... And then also people think homeless people don't want to go to a shelter because we want to be outside so we can do drugs and whatever else. Now, I ask myself, who told anybody that there are no drug use in the shelters? Well, there uh, are yeah. also people yeah. in the shelters. Like you know, there are certain numbers in Cape Town. Yeah. And these numbers are also sometimes represented in shelters. And I think that goes without saying. Yes. Um, it I is think... not about us not wanting to be told when to go to bed, when to eat, mm. when to sleep. That is, that is not the problem. But sometimes there are really issues that they, I don't know if they're oblivious to it or they don't want to, they don't want to see Mm. Um, this uh, WhatsApp has come through from Ernest who says, uh, good evening, listening to Danny, I come to the conclusion that there's no difference between a homeless person and a prostitute. Their plight is the same, survival, and to be treated with dignity. I prefer to call prostitutes sex workers, it just sounds better. Um, look, you know, there are many reasons why many people do things. But let me ask you something. We have a lot of single mummies in this world that have to do choices. I'm either going to keep my child or I'm going to have an abortion. For me to keep the child is virtually impossible. Where's our community? What happened to the spirit of Ubuntu? Why does, why does single mothers or people in the society, especially people in wheelchairs, why do they have to go through struggles when we're supposed to have a thriving community that look out for its members? Mm. Do you know how many people in Cape Town are in wheelchairs because some of the, the, the shelters are not wheelchair accessible? Mm. I think that certainly in some areas, they, they, some people are doing some good work. I know in my area, um, they've taken a couple of homeless people and they use uh, they use them to clean the streets, to make yeah. a sense of pride. And they give them, instead of money, they give them food and, and as you say, cleaning goods and um, that kind of thing uh, to, towards and also having a sense of community. I yeah. remember once um, in observatory, the... Um, I would go and clean the streets and the homeless people would all look at me like I was crazy because yeah. that's where they live, you know, yeah. and normally people don't care. And uh, it was this whole sense of actually that we live in this together. Are you in central Cape Town? No, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. If you drive around Cape Town at the moment, you'll see that half of the dustbins has been removed. You know the green dustbins? Yeah. They're all gone. You cannot find a dustbin in and around the company gardens. Why? 
pay attention, there's a lot of dustbins all of a sudden that are no longer on the pavement. Are they, were they a bomb threat or something? Well, I know, I know what happens, um, uh, what happens in, in some clusters of, of homeless people. Some of them um, uh, are, are clearly uh, involved with crime. And what they do is they take the, they take the rubbish out, they throw it on, on the street, and then they use the green bins to stash their stuff in. So the, the, the place is constantly messy. And, um, so, and that, that's obviously a, a concern. Um, and I think in, in, that, in that way, the bin is not being used, so they remove the bin. But um, every single bin on the street... I don't know. Where are we now going to even a normal member of the public? Where yeah. are you going to throw your rubbish now? I don't, I, and, and that's where it comes back to, yes. you know, that whole situation of, of what do we do about that? So we are now penny wise and, and, and entirely foolish. Yeah. Um, the, the, the certainly thing, this, this Razak uh, uh, says, hi, Lindsay, why can't the homeless make use of the shelters? What's the problem? Is the problem the rules? Uh, I think that came through before you yeah. made the comment. Yeah. Nolene in, in Kenilworth said, um, Lindsay, accommodation in Cape Town is becoming less affordable by the day, even for young professionals, even when they're living communally. Who is responsible for stabilizing the situation? Students, the elderly and unemployed people do not stand a chance, she said. You know, she has a very, very valid point there. I'm currently working at the Cape August, right? Yeah. I cannot afford an apartment. Yeah. I can't afford a one-bedroom. I can't afford a bachelor. I can barely afford when I share with somebody in a flat. Sometimes you have to share a room with somebody in an apartment or in a house. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, student accommodation, you can't get anything under 3500 What student that is studying can afford that? I can't afford it. Danny, somebody says, what skills do you have? If somebody wants to assist you uh, in, in getting you uh, extra, I don't know if you're working full-time with the Dignity Pro Project. Um, I've got a column that I do, and I'm also involved in a lot of other community projects. Oh, okay. Um, the beauty is, do you know that when I started with the Cape Arcus, I, I used to write a diary. That is the only, I don't have any qualifications to write. I was really nervous when mm. I started. Mm. It must have been wonderful to find your voice. And I think that's really what you're doing now. You're chatting on, on air and you're reminding us that there are people behind the figure that, yeah. that, that lies in the darkness. Yeah. Danny? Um, you know, in, your, in, your, in your area, there are homeless people. And you might not be there during the day. Believe you me, they are looking after your premises. And if you will have somebody that is not from that area and they enter your area, the first thing the homeless person will do is interrogate this person. Why are you here? What do you want? Get out. Because these people infiltrate homeless people. Yeah, it's, they come it's territorial. And they, rob. Yeah. they come and they rob. And you'll be amazed how much these homeless people know of you. Because they're there every day. Yeah. They know Madam goes to work at 7. They know Madam comes home at about 4. Madam doesn't come home today. I wonder where is she, you know? Um, Danny, if somebody wants to get hold of you at the Argus, how can they do that? Um, they can call the Argus on the number that I've given you, or they can send me an email on marsecond321 at gmail.com. So what you're really saying in short, because we're wrapping now, I've got another yeah. interview, is is remember that everyone wants to be treated with dignity. Yeah. And the best thing ask you can us, do... Ask us our name. Yeah. Start communicating with us. If you have an odd job or you want to have your windows washed, there's somebody in your neighborhood that can do it for you. And get to know who's, yeah. who's living in, in, in your area. You know, when you acknowledge somebody and you start knowing somebody's name already, 
it's a huge upliftment because somebody is taking the time to talk to me. They have a garden, a streetscape. It's a part of Kurisa. They have a garden on the top of uh, Rulon Street with fruit and veggies. Yes. You should see the people that work in the garden. They oh, meet no. all these elderly people that give them tips and advice. And you look at this guy and you think, but he normally never talks. Yes. And now he's explaining to this elderly lady, white mm. lady, that lives in Constantia, how she should plant the tomatoes because she's doing it wrong. Mm. And it's amazing. I mean, we have a girl there that works. She's, she's almost she's in her 50s. She, now when people come there, she's the first one to stand there and, and like a tour. Yeah, she would never yeah, do that before. Yeah. The amount of courage and, and confidence people can help other people. You know, words is something that can kill. It can either build you up or destroy you. So we are all tempted sometimes to have a, a negative comment towards homeless people, sex workers, whatever we say, foreigners for that matter. But rather than, if you can't improve the silence, you'd rather say nothing. Danny, thank you so much for your time on Cape Talk. It's most appreciated. And thank you for having me. You take care.